Hello all and welcome to another episode of Grant Thornton's COVID-19 Technology and Life Sciences Series. Today we have with us for the fifth and hopefully not the last time, Mr. Michael Cunningham, National Leader of Technology and Life Sciences. Hello, Michael. Hi, Brock. Great to be back. Really enjoying getting out of the house and coming into the office to catch up, albeit once a week. Excellent. Michael, I'm not sure if you can tell, but I'm excited today. You do seem to have a spring in your step. I sure do. Today we have our first special guest, US accounting expert and technology and life sciences team member, Ruth Wong. So without further ado, hello, Ruth. Hi and hello, all. Okay, so let's dive right in. Our aim is to hit the big issues in real time and in response to a spike in queries that Ruth and Michael have been receiving, we thought it worthwhile having a chat regarding opportunities and challenges that companies may encounter when looking to access US capital markets. Michael, can you shed some light on what's occurring? Yes, Brock. We have had a recent increase in inquiries from companies asking what might be involved in a US listing process and what some of the operating and reporting requirements may be. If you don't mind, could you talk to a few of the key themes driving companies to cast their minds abroad? Nothing surprising. Challenging funding and market conditions have companies considering more broadly these types of strategies. And notwithstanding the US COVID challenges, they remain the world's largest economy and will always attract these types of considerations. For companies who have been previously flirting with the idea of a US listing, and or presence in the US, those inquiries have had a little bit more to them recently. Ah, interesting, Michael. Tell me more. Well, due to the size of the US market, it can assist companies to achieve an overall improvement in liquidity and a broader investor base. We do often also hear that for certain companies, with an end game being operations in the US market, that a US listing may better value the stock and help with their US marketing plans. Ah, interesting perspective. As we have seen, many companies enter the US market and not necessarily achieve those outcomes. That's right. It isn't without significant risk and upfront cost and then ongoing cost. And we have plenty of analysis and studies showing it is far from a sure thing. Okay, so operationally, what are some of the advantages companies are hoping for? They're looking for increased brand awareness, and that's that's probably the main one. Uh, and also, they're looking at if they're looking at acquisitions, having the ability to raise capital in US dollars can also be appealing. Well, that's a perfect segue into downside risks. Ruth, your thoughts? Thanks, Brock. Costs, including regulatory and compliance, can be significant, and also the more litigious nature of the US can be discouraging. That said, the Australian market has become ever more challenging in all of those areas. It sure has. Globally, we've seen most Western markets move to more onerous obligations. That could well be worth a separate conversation. At a high level, what is the pathway to the US? Appreciating this isn't a short answer. Not a short answer, nor a short process. I'll focus on FPIs. And FPIs stand for? Oh, sorry. Foreign Private Issuer. The FPI pathway is the approach we often see for Australian companies. What is an FPI more specifically? Unless the result of the listing is that the majority of the voting shares end up owned by US residents and one of the majority of the directors, companies' assets or operational head offices are in the US, the Australian company would be an FPI. Okay, that's uh, quite a mouthful. How long can the process take? Michael, I'll throw to you on this one. 
my advice is generally around six months. However, this assumes capital markets are receptive and the company has been preparing for the process for some time before pulling the trigger. Okay, we may pause there as taking on a US listing process is probably a two-part podcast. Back to what are some of the challenges of having an entity with US reporting requirements on an ongoing basis. Let me throw back to Ruth. Much depends on if they are the subsidiary of a US listed entity or an FPI. FPIs have a lot of exemptions compared to other US listed entities. Subsidiaries of US listed parents will often be dependent on the relative size of the Australian operations to the group, and of course, if the ultimate US entity is listed or not. From an accounting perspective, variances appear in many areas, in spite of the ongoing convergence program of the standard setters. Examples of common differences are around goodwill impairment testing, share-based payment measurement, revenue recognition, and lease accounting. Part of any US engagement challenge is ensuring that enough people and controls within a group are in place to identify all these exposures. And we know audit rules are also different in some areas, which directly plays out for extra work for companies. Okay, it's fair to say this isn't without risk and challenges and companies need to be going in eyes wide open. We don't want to lose listeners, so we won't mention the word audit again. <laughs> fair point, re-auditing. It is important to mention that we have clients who successfully operate in both environments and have either listed in the States as an FPI or set up meaningful operations. And of course, we have a significant number of US subsidiary clients. So in summary, Michael and Ruth, what should listeners' takeaways be? Maybe, Michael, start with you. The interest levels in the US are strong and strengthening, but those looking at a listing pathway need to significantly plan and, and plan well. And if it's done right, it's not without reward. And Ruth? To remind everyone that the reporting obligations are more demanding, the environment is typically far more expensive to operate in from a compliance perspective, but that we are here to help. Thanks to both of you today. I know we've only scratched the surface. So if people would like to make contact with each of you directly, how should they go about it? Both Ruth and I are happy to be contacted via LinkedIn or email. Thanks, Michael, and great to boo Ruth. Suspect we haven't seen the last of you. Thanks, Brock and Michael. And as Michael said, any queries on US listing processes, feel free to reach out. Okay, looks like we're out of time again. I should again remind our listeners of Grant Thornton's dedicated COVID-19 page. Thanks for listening and encourage everyone to like and share today's and other podcasts. And of course, feel free to send us a note regarding any topics that may interest you. So cue the music and bye for now.